Welcome to the Evolving Digital Self Podcast, where we explore the conscious use of technology. Listen in to hear thought leaders and other guests discuss the human relationship with technology and learning to thrive in the digital era. Hosted by the author of the international best-selling digital self-mastery series and being at work, Dr. Heidi Forbes Usta. Welcome back to Evolving Digital Self. I'm so excited to introduce to you a new friend. Her name is Dr. Natasha Todorovic Cowan, and she is the co-creator of the Spiral Dynamics programs. This is just a really cool process, program, integration of so many different things, and I'm really excited for you to learn more about it and learn more about her. Welcome, Natasha. I am delighted to be with you, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. Such a treat, and I just you know, I love having new ideas and new approaches to learning and change. As we all know, right now, we're all in a very sort of cataclysmic change. And that is in both a positive and a negative way. I keep on referring to it as this is our time of a chrysalis. And it's, there's just going to be, it's going to be incredible to see how we all come out of it. And so it's great to learn new ways to, to do that in a way that that comes out with a positive response. And it seems like what you're working with may be one of the greatest opportunities for that. Can you tell us a little bit more about Spiral Dynamics, what it is and how you got involved in developing it in the first place? Yeah, Spiral Dynamics is the brand that I work under. We've got um, validated, scientifically validated assessments and what they do is they measure uh, people's preferences for change, where they are in terms of their change process, and how to support them in getting to where they need to go next. And we've got, a, as part of our assessments, also the capacity to measure human nature. So when I talk about human nature, how do we lead? Who are we as team members? How do we collaborate as team members? What does the culture of the organization look like? And when we know that, then we know where we are changing from and where we are changing to. <laughs> well, and that's really big because a lot of us, I think, I mean, this whole year, 2020 has been this incredible experience of really, you know, sort of introspection and trying to really identify who we were coming into it, but also taking time for thought to figure out who we want to be when we're coming out of it. But a lot of people seem to get stuck in the, how do I get from where I was to where I want to be. And that's both on an individual scale, but also when you look at organizations, it's sort of, you know, all of the things that were broken before really broke. And you really sort of identified all of those bottlenecks and all of the problems, but that didn't necessarily provide us with the solutions. And what we're coming out to on the other end is so different than what we had going into it. So talk yeah, a little absolutely. bit a little bit about what that process is and, and just sort of helping us getting a, a better understanding of what, you know, what your tool might do in terms of helping us in that. Yeah, well, um, the tools are used by business leaders and consultants and coaches and people who are just curious about the nature of human nature. And obviously, we go through a program that teaches people how to apply it. But the main thrust of it is we can't get there if we don't know where we are in terms of here. And we can't get there if we don't identify what that next world is going to look like. If we can't figure that out, if we can't project it, if we can't even begin to 
touch it with some degree of familiarity, we're going to miss the mark because we're going towards there with the tools from yesterday, maybe today. (laughs) Oh, for sure. And I I think that, you know, it's exactly that. A lot of us are stuck in the tools of today and needing to understand, you know, in order, like I was saying before, like, you know, you know, there's change needed, but it's like, what do I need to get rid of? And what do I need in order to, to move forward? It's sort of that momentum piece. And some of the old tools get in the way. Absolutely, because the old tools come with old thinking and old habits, and we've barely caught up with today, let alone tomorrow. I was having a conversation with the client who was talking about, well, how do I talk to my clients now that we're in this whole lockdown thing? And they're trying to figure out, you know, do we talk to them on Facebook? Do we talk to them on LinkedIn? Do we have a client magnetism strategy? Do we email? Like, how do we talk to people and where are they and where did they go? Because the ways that we were talking to them yesterday were starting to fail. But as you just said, the gaps opened up wide and became very obvious. And now everybody's trying to relearn how to do things that used to work, some that were breaking and others that were broken, but there was still enough along the way that they were able to continue. And now it's like all been shaken up and we've been asked to rethink things. Absolutely. I'm curious, I mean, with a lot of the different assessments that we use in human resources and people management and whatever tool, whatever name you want to call it, but basically it's all about how do you manage teams and people and, and get people to collaborate well and, and understand yourself as a leader? But many of them have different approaches to, you know, whether it's you have sort of a label, you fit into a certain category. When you have these assessments, they always try to put people into buckets of like, well, you're this kind of a leader or you're this kind of a leader or, and you should work with this kind of a person. What's different about spiral dynamics and how do you put people in buckets or do you put people in buckets? What are our buckets like? Your buckets like? So I have mixed feelings around the bucket approach. And when we're talking buckets, we're, we typically are talking types and typologies. And that's useful. I mean, everybody knows somebody who's, uh, you know, like a, you know, a very detailed person. They've got to get it, all the I's dotted and the T's crossed. And that's kind of a personality type. And we know from our psychological research that typically personality is what we're born with, personality is what we live with, and if we're more evolved, we can shave off some of the sharper edges, but pretty much that personality is what we die with. And everyone knows the the entrepreneur who's willing to just take big, massive risks, and they leap before they look, and then they get in trouble, and sometimes they land feet down, and sometimes they land feet up. And there's a place for those tools and they complement what we do. Our approach is very different because it's uh, centered around adult development. And what's different about it is the bucket approach assumes we're going to be there probably most of the time, most of our lives. Developmental psych, on the other hand, says that we grow as adults. We change as adults. We transform as adults. And when we take this particular perspective and apply it to leadership and apply it to teams and apply it to culture, what we're seeing is we're seeing a film rather than a static picture. 
And as that film evolves, as the plot evolves, as the characters evolve, they also transform and change. So change is a moving picture. Life is a moving picture. And that static personality, even though those core fundamentals of the personality are in play, there are other aspects of the personality. I sometimes like to say we are drawn both in ink and in pencil. Mm. So there are aspects that we can change and there are aspects that we can't. And the stuff that we deal with is changeable. And typically what we'll do is we'll use a typing approach along with our approach because it just gives a fuller picture. Well, absolutely. I mean, I definitely live by the philosophy that the, you know, the anomaly is the norm and that you know we're all so incredibly unique. But we also, you know, even in, in my dissertation work, I looked a lot at sort of you know, how we evolve, not just as young people, but also the, our adult human development and sort of, you know, taking Eric Erickson's, you know, developmental stages and keep on going because there's so much more to it. And we don't stop at 40. We don't stop at 50. We keep on learning. We keep on growing. And, you know, whether you're looking at partners and how they evolve either together or apart, or whether you're looking at individuals and teams, I think that there's we do sort of, you know, it doesn't take a 2020 for us to have a moment of being introspective. For some people, it's once a decade. For some people, it's once every five years. But if you look at your life over time, there are sort of these, you know, monumental shifts in some parts of us. Some parts of us, it's very much like, this is who I am. And this is my belief system. And belief systems are one of those that often don't change much. But sometimes even with a 2020, those change. I think that it's it's fascinating to see the different tools that you can use that complement each other, like, you know, using a combination of a Myers-Briggs and an SDI and, a you know, and, and all of these different tools, they all have their relevance, but they definitely, you, using just one isn't enough because you do end up getting put in buckets. Well, you need to use the right one for the right problem. Yeah. And I I think all too often what happens is, it, you know, like you're talking about beliefs, right? So I, you know, I am a coach, which I'm not, but let's say I'm a coach, right? I'm a coach. I learn a technique and then I want to use that technique because I've learned it irrespective of the fact that it doesn't fit the client or it doesn't fit the client's context or it doesn't fit the client's outcome or it doesn't fit their particular position or their particular problems, that's the one I've learned. So I go into a situation with this predilection to be using this tool. And what we're doing instead is we're saying all of the tools count. They are all useful, but we have to understand who is this client? What is their context? Where are they moving from? Where are they going to? And then how do we select in a very thoughtful, very methodical way, a congruent approach that enables this leader to lead better with this team or this coach to coach better with this particular client. But you can take the world's best leader and put them in a different organization, say lead, right? Well, it's a different context. It's a different group. It's a different culture. It's a different customer base. And that amazing leader has a 50-50 chance of succeeding because they've been taken out of one context, plunked into another, and we don't even know if that's matching up. And those are some of the challenges that the spiral dynamics approach 
uh, actually addresses, is looking at some of the things that other approaches are missing. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. I'm curious, I mean, as you know, as you know, this show is about the human relationship with technology and how it's changing the way we work and live across industries, blah, 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 you know, the usual thing. But when we're looking at something like human development and using different tools and and particularly now, right now, you know, where a lot of things are done remotely. And so there's not even that opportunity to have that that personal contact to really understand who people are in the same way from the physical signals. What are some of the things that you've seen change in the way that you use the tools, apply the tools, or even develop further tools because of technology? That's a really great question, Heidi. I think, you know, this might be kind of interesting to your listeners. We went online with some of our training back in 2010. And, what you know, that was pre-Zoom um, and that was pre-Skype. And what happened was it was mostly uh, it was mostly typed messages, right? So we deliver video tutorial and then they do it and then they come into a group where we were trying to get them to interact. And it was asynchronous. So you can have folks who are all over the world in different time zones coming together and doing the work on their own timing. And what very quickly we realized was, it took about three months, four months for people to develop their online personality. But the relating piece was even more fascinating because what we realized was even as they were reading words and even as they were trying to interact with others, they weren't seeing these people as people. Mm-hmm. And until we got them over that hurdle, we worked in what we called an action learning team. So the material could only be learned when the team was functioning together and seeing one another and supporting one another. And what we found, despite all of that, was we had 300% greater likelihood that they'd be high functioning over and above teams that were working in person. Interesting. And, and, and you know, I mean, like yeah. 10% of teams are not, you know, are high functioning and the rest, not so much. So knowing that they weren't speaking the same mother tongue, knowing that they'd never met one another and knowing that they had absolutely no reason to work together other than they were interested in this developmental stuff. Most people who build teams would be like, oh, no, that's not going to work. And we got them over those humps. Sometimes I'm not quite sure how, but I, I just found it fascinating that even with the typed word, people weren't seeing one another as people. Well, for sure. I mean, I think even uh, while I was doing my uh, research early in stage, when we were looking at sort of the, the impact of mediated interactions versus the direct interactions. And as soon as you add a tool in between, it sort of turns the, you know, the t- turns the other person on the other end almost two-dimensional. And, you know, for some people, they automatically make that connection. But it's kind of like, I equate it to sort of the way that people react to, you know, watching a movie, for example, and that some people will emotionally respond to the movie because they feel that they're part of it. And others just watch it as entertainment. I mean, I think like my son... When in an early stage when he was playing a lot of these, you know, first person shooter games. And I was like, these are so violent. It's awful. You know, he was like, mom, it's a game. 
you know, but he had friends who were the same age, you know, we're talking, I think, you know, 10, 12, 10, between 10 and 12 here. And I was not comfortable with the whole like first person shooter thing. And I noticed that some of his friends were, they were very upset when they would try to play. I was like, you know what, this is clearly a very different way of sort of the way their brain processes. The fact that there's someone on the other screen that is a, an individual there, or it's just, you know, sort of, it's just another screen. It's just another story. It's just another line where you don't actually develop the empathy that enables you to really engage properly with the person on the other end. I'm fascinated with the work that you did in 2010, because I'm wondering if you have had follow-up with those people to see how they've done in 2020, where everything has gone online. Has that, do you think that their training by being prepped at that early stage to be able to be, to create that empathy and that interaction, has that served them well as the future of work evolves? Well, you know, you're, I love that you're picking up on that empathy piece because for a few of the programs, what we literally had to do was stop the whole program. And we spent three weeks saying, all right, you're going to just spend time engaging in empathy and showing the other person that you understand where they're coming from and trying to get them to read between those lines. And I don't know how it served all of them, though, you know, we've had people who've had ongoing training with us and they're very different from how they started. They see more, they're more resilient, uh, they're more introspective, um, they're better able to handle tougher stuff with people around them. I think because they're both that kind of person and they've made themselves into that kind of person because we've given them some tools. And, you know, it's a great question because I've had other clients, let's say, you know, I had a corporate, we put their team through some of the things that we were doing and the context of that digital environment showed us was exactly what was going on on site was happening online. And so the lack of empathy off, on site was coming online and the personality pieces, the interaction pieces, the fun and joking around pieces, which were smoothing over what was going on underneath that you couldn't see in physical interactions was very visible online. So what on the online environment did was it stripped out the things that are distracting to us to show us what those underlying dynamics really were. So the online space and the offline space were almost mirror images just without the interference, mm. which really an amazing thing to witness. I would imagine there was also a different sense of accountability because once you put something into an online space, it's searchable. It's, you can view it again. You can, you can say like, well, you said that and that wasn't nice. Or you, you know, it's, you said you'd do your homework. You said you'd read my assignment and give me feedback. You said you'd show up. You didn't. What's going on? You know, and then you've got to have hard conversations. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I'm stamped. <laughs> Exactly. I mean, I, I'm sure we all have those people that, you know, they forget that they committed to something or they, you know, whatever. 
and that we've said, you know, been able to sort of pull up that email, see, this is what you said on such and such a date, or that there's those people, I certainly have people in my network, some in my family, that it's more, you know, I, I actually keep those in a file because I know that that conversation is going to come back and I can just say like, well, this is what you said you were going to do. And this is what I said I'm going to do. So did you do your part? And then there's no sort of like, you said this, you said that. Oh, well, I don't remember saying that. It's much yeah. more accountable. And I think that that is, you know, for some people, it's a blessing. And for some people, it's a curse because they overpromise and underdeliver or or, or vice versa, where you can say, hey, wow, you did much more than you said you were going to do. Thank you. We expect so much of ourselves. <laughs> and it doesn't move as fast as we think. <laughs> it doesn't. I'm curious because I want to make sure we get a little bit more of who you are and how you even got into this space. Because I think that that tells a lot of sort of, you know, what kind of person, you know, is... I mean, I, I'm a people person. I love learning more about human behavior. I'm the t- I could geek out on this for hours with you. But I think that there's always, you know, what's your story coming into that? What, what did you do before you did this? And, you know, what made you so passionate about where you are now? Because clearly, Spiral Dynamics is just part of who you are. It is now. Way back some time ago, I was actually in the fashion business. My job was to predict the kinds of clothes and colors that people would want to buy about 18 months before they even knew they wanted them. And, you know, it's a lot of fun. You get to play with clothes and colors and fabrics, and it's a blast. And um, I was living in Montreal at the time, and we had this thing called NAFTA happen. Mm -hmm. And what took a very vibrant, thriving little industrial area, it just tanked everything. I mean, I uh, got back after the entire industry basically shut down, I think about six months later, it was just a ghost town. There was just nothing. And I'd been having a challenge with, you know, just meaning, right? Because I realized, you know, if I get the right pair of pants out in the right color and the right size, and it just happens to match somebody's wardrobe, so what? (laughs) Whose life was that going to impact? And I got into training and development And when I completed my MBA, I realized that I wanted to play more in the realm of change. And I knew change was not only an individual thing, I knew change was a social thing. And I I, I finished my doctorate, found the, um, the Spiral Dynamics book, and it was like, wow, you know, I've learned about some of this as values in, I took NLP training, right? I learned about it as values in NLP training. I read the book and like, this is not, this has nothing to do with values. They had it wrong. There is a lot more and just kind of fell in love with it. It was like that kind of thing that just called to me. And I went to Texas, I took the training and just completely fell in love with all of it and the guy who wrote the book. <laughs> so I was invited to join the organization. And Chris and I, within just a very short time of meeting one another, just connected like two little suction cups. And we we were not apart. I mean, we were together 24 hours a day, seven days a week. We were working together. We were living together. We were breathing together. It was, you know, it was like I found my twin. Mm. And we 
worked on five continents, 15 different countries, training this work, working with consultants, working with coaches, training them in the approach, certifying them, working with organizations who were struggling with the people side of their stuff, their cultures, their leaders, their teams, and all of that. And working in different countries and seeing how people learn this very difficult, very kind of thorny thing that is typically invisible to most of us really teaches you about human nature. Mm -hmm. Um, Just seeing struggles to learn, to move forward, to change, to understand self, to understand one another. So that's kind of the longer journey. And um, it was it was very devastating to lose my best friend and soulmate a few years ago. And it was it was interesting, a gal who'd seen me, you know, do a number of the training said, Well, you know, you're you're fine. You you like yoga, you'll teach yoga, right? And it's like, wait, what? How how did that even make sense? And I realized then there was an absolutely no question in my mind, would I continue with this or not? It was just the question of how would I how would I do it rather than how did we do it? Yeah. And I think, you know, you've, you've done a beautiful job with really maintaining that legacy. And I love the fact that you kept his name. I think that's really a, a beautiful uh, tribute to him and uh, to your, your love and, your, and your, your passion for your work together. And as we talked a little bit in the green room about, we did some, there's some previous episodes that are about names and both on sort of, you know, understanding the meaning of a name, but also on the challenge of changing your name and what that, you know, what that means and how, how that works. And a, a lot of our identities are wrapped up in our names. And so I think it's, it's a beautiful tribute to him. And, and I'm sure he's, he's smiling down on you and, and very proud of the work that you did together and that you continue to do as a legacy. So I honor you for that. That's really beautiful. Thank you for noticing. I can't wait to go do those episodes because, you know, when we were when we were talking about getting married and I was like, well, are you going to take my name? And he said, you know, I'd rather have your name than my name. Right. And um, he there was no question about, you know, do you want my name? Do you not want my name? I was like, do whatever you want to do. And I just wanted people to remember the guy who, you know, spent a decade writing this book, making this material accessible the man who taught me this work and just this kind of work is built on the shoulders of those who typically go unrecognized. Yeah, it's, it's so true. And it's, it often is exactly that. It's the, you know, the people that are the inspiration and the ideas, but they're, they're not really interested in the recognition. They just want the impact that it's going to have. And uh, it's important for us to sometimes give them a little highlight and, uh, and, uh, you know, bring them out to the forefront because generally they, it's so funny. I, th- I think uh, we see that a lot in the podcasting space. We love to highlight other people. Most of us that are podcasters, I, I love hanging out with other podcasters. They're mostly extroverted introverts and we all, we love people, but we're, we don't like being sort of the center of attention. It's fine behind the scenes on a microphone and we can share it with the world, but we don't have to be, you know, sort of socializing and center of attention at a party. And well, your work in doing that is very nuanced and very intuitive. And what you're doing is you're seeing deeper into people so that you can bring out what you're seeing to share with your guests. 
And that's an incredible talent. Well, thank you. And and I truly enjoy it. It's been one of the joys of my life, I would say, in the last, since I started it. Um, and we're going into our fourth season now, which is kind of crazy to me to think that I've been doing this for four seasons when, you know, when I first started, I was like, I don't know if I really want to do this. I'd rather just be a guest on somebody else's podcast. <laughs> I talk about my book. But this so much discipline. Or, so remember where we started this, right? They're the people who dot their I's and cross their T's, right? The discipline of doing this every day or every week or every month, just regularly and staying on theme and making sure that your audience is you're fulfilling your promise to them. That takes discipline, that takes work, that takes thoughtfulness, it takes planning, it takes the discipline to dot your I's and cross your T's. <laughs> so hats off to you, Heidi. Well, thank you very much. I, I do appreciate it. And I, I just, uh, you know, like I said, for me, it, it's, it's pure pleasure. I, I really, I really enjoy working in this space and being able to have wonderful conversations with people like you and learn more about what they're doing and and what's their place in the world. Because a lot of those people are behind the scenes creating incredible things and creating incredible change. And we don't hear about them. We often hear about the people that have worked with them, but not necessarily the people that have actually created that change within those change makers. So hats off to you and to your beloved. I'm sorry he's no longer physically with us, but clearly he is with us in in uh, his legacy of Spiral Dynamics and the work that you're doing. So unfortunately, we have to wrap up, but I want to make sure that people can find you, can find your work and, and learn more about it if they want to. And what's the best way for them to do that? Um, they can always find me at uh, spiraldynamics.org. And if it's okay, if you're working on a change of any kind, we've got a change process that you're more than likely, to, uh, more, more than welcome to engage in. If you go to bit.ly, uh, bit.ly slash change playbook, you can download the playbook, uh, run through the eight days of uh, building out your change and uh, that's that supported. You get a taste of uh, change. And if you're in that introspective place, well, uh, please feel free to grab the playbook and run through it. Well, that sounds great. And uh, don't worry if you didn't catch that, folks. It'll be in the show notes. And we're also going to be launching for our fourth season a great interactive space where we'll be able to highlight all of our different guests and the work that they're doing. And you'll be able to find all those wonderful links. So if you're curious about Natasha's work, or if you're curious about learning more about names and the people that are working with names, you'll be able to find all of that on our new enhanced website coming very soon, hopefully by the time this episode launches. So anyway, it has been such a treat having you on the show today. I really appreciate your taking the time to join us, Natasha. Thank you so much for having me. It's really been, it's been a treat for me and a pleasure and uh, you're doing some amazing work. Guys, you're lucky. You're lucky you <laughs> in your life. <laughs> well, thank you very much. And thank you, Digital Selfers, for joining us today. As usual, it has been an honor and pleasure to have spent this hour or half hour with you. I can't, how long, I don't know how long this episode is going to be. We've just been having so much fun chatting. But anyway, it's been just a, a treat. And for those of you who really love the show, make sure if you haven't already to subscribe so you don't miss any of the great upcoming episodes. Check out some of those previous episodes we mentioned. There's some really great ones there, and we'll be highlighting some of those archived ones. And if you, if you have a moment and you, don't, and, and you really like the show, we always appreciate a rating and review. And please let us know if you do, because we always like to give a little love back. 
So thanks again for joining us today. It's our pleasure and we look forward to next time. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for joining us for the Evolving Digital Self. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app now so that you don't miss a single episode. While you're at it, please give us a rating and a review and join the digital self-mastery movement to create more conscious use of technology by sharing it and telling your friends. Want to see where you fit on the digital self spectrum and how it might be impacting your business and relationships? Get your free copy of Digital Self Mastery today by clicking on the link in the show notes.